Welcome everybody to the Low Key Podcast. I'm Tim Malloy, one of your hosts. With me as always are Keith Denny and Aaron Lanton. And this week we are talking about Cornell Mondruzzo's, uh, I think beautiful film, Pieces of a Woman, starring Vanessa Kirby as a woman whose pregnancy ends very tragically. Uh, we're gonna spoil away on this movie. We all agree that this movie is probably better. Well, at least Keith and I agree, Aaron and I haven't talked about this. Uh, that this movie is probably better if you don't know anything going into it. But at the same time, if you don't know anything going into it, you might be very shocked and upset depending on where you are in your life. Um, and with that, let the spoilers begin. Uh, what did everybody think of it? So I guess it would be interesting for me to start by saying I did not know what this movie was about. I you know, was like, oh, okay, uh, Tim and Keith have recommended it. Let's give it a shot. And you had a baby about two months ago what who i was holding oh at the start <laughs> did not see that coming i was like is it hmm where's this going oh it looks fine looks fine it's not fine okay Damn. all right um interesting though and and you know my mother's a labor delivery nurse so there were certain things that were interesting and you know i could pick up on and again just haven't gone through that um that part of being the um supporting partner there um you know, listen to the heartbeat and, you know, just kind of looking out for certain things like, oh, is this okay? Is that okay? Uh, my wife and I, for both uh, births of our, our children, we did it at hospitals. But I mean, we had conversations about a midwife and I've always been curious about what their process is, is you know, would be like. And, you know, I think it's just interesting because sometimes things happen that are, that are completely out of your, your control. Uh, but the movie as a whole, um, I thought it was really well done and and you know i'm ex kind of excited to talk about it see what you guys thought as well all right um i think i told tim like this it's something about this movie it's one of those type of movies that for me makes me want to make movies like <laughs> it makes me want to make something that's on this um caliber of where you know like i, I think in your interview with the director he had mentioned something about I'm, I don't know exactly his words on it, but j just making a movie that's really not like about this grand thing, but just about people that's dealing with a particular situation and how they assess it. Yeah. Um, and and in this, this is this is a complete tragedy. Um, and and you know one thing that really and I mean I think we could talk more in length about the um, the birthing scene. Yeah. I remember y'all were talking about it. And mentioning that it was like what 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. Something like it. Man, that was yeah. intense. Like that was yeah. like I yeah. think the last time I felt so like on edge watching something was like Passion of the Christ in a sense. Yeah. And I think the worst part of it was that they were able to actually hold the baby, hear the baby, and and just just see the life come, you know leave the leave the baby just dead in there and that was just that was like heartbreaking well in, in the compliment what you're saying too something just from a, a you know kind of cinematography perspective that stuck out to me is it's not it didn't appear to me to be a one shot but there was definitely an intent to definitely take like like film it as if it was one one whole shot that they never like took any cuts there and I thought yeah, it was yeah. really effective how they did that. Like you, you just you feel like you're a voyeur in the room and, and it'll just swing from like one wall to another. And you'll see what you know the midwife is doing, and they kind of move a little bit more and you see what's going on in the bathroom. Or they'll, you know, there'll be a Martha and Sean, so the, the mother and father there in, in you know the bedroom, and you see um the midwife in the other room, like, oh shit, like try not to panic, but like, like pulling out charges, you're like, okay, okay, that means this, and this means this, and okay, maybe, maybe we shouldn't panic yet. But you can see like on her face, like, yeah, this, this is not, probably not a good situation. Like, I, I just saw like the way that that was shown was just in, in, in shot was just really impressive. Right, right. If people want to check out the Movie Maker podcast. Um, I got to interview the director, Cornel Mondruzzo, about how they did it. And we also have an article in the new issue of Movie Maker interviewing the cinematographer, Benjamin Loeb, where he talks about his techniques. And it is one shot. Um, I don't know if they cheated it or if they did like oh, the wow. 17 thing with a couple snuck in edits or anything, but 
it's presented as one shot and the guy was actually carrying the camera through the entire thing. Benjamin Loeb was carrying the camera everywhere using a gimbal, like a, which is a stabilizer mm -hmm. to get that floating effect and the floating effect they're going for. And this blew my mind and makes me want to see the whole movie again. It's the idea is that that floating effect is it's the lost soul as it is the baby who's seeing its own mm. birth and death, which is devastating to me. I mean, I don't Interesting. Yeah. So I remember him saying that, and I and this was outside the context of knowing what the film was really about. Because I'm like, dang, what was this some type of horror film? <laughs> but then, but then they kind of use it a little bit like throughout the whole film too. Like, yeah, it's, it's pretty handheld, like on the, on the gimbal, like the majority of the film. And I'm wondering if that was another part of it, like throughout, to say that you know that soul, that lost soul was is still a part of them and a part of their lives. You know, there, there's a moment or a shot that this done not long after that scene. They're in the van, um, and Shia LaBeouf is, or Sean, the character Sean, he's talking, and but the way it's shot is like if somebody was like in the back seat, but like not even in the seat, like they were literally sitting on the floor of the van, but looking up at him like diagonally from the passenger side, like in the row behind. And I was like, that's a really interesting choice to shoot it that way. Like they all, it, there was so many moments when like, you could shoot it real straightforward, but the choice not to was interesting and, and seemed to like, kind of bring the gravity of, cause the thing is a lot of this film is about like what's not said, Yeah, you know, there's a lot of silence in this movie and a lot of like well you you need your actors to be able to with their physical expressions in one way or another be able to convey the scene and it was really impressive how well they were able to do that by the way it was shot and just their performances it was just you know really really well done right right i think vanessa kirby is awesome she was yeah. really good in the crown and then she did mission impossible which is like the opposite movie right and then just pivot to this is just i mean she really has chops definitely you know yeah, i i you know um i thought she was just really good um i mean i, th I thought everybody was really good i mean i i'm not somebody who's seen a lot of shia labeouf um off the top of my head um I thought this is a really good performance from him. I don't know if this is considered like one of his best performances or not, but he was really solid in this movie. I I just really felt um, it was like even as he was doing things that I felt like in some cases were just just despicable. Yeah. It was like, damn, I feel where he's coming from. I wouldn't do that, but I, I understand, you know. There, the part where I like lost it. I'm not a super emotional movie person, but um, I did like we just had a baby too, so this this was like close to the surface for me already. But when they run out to the ambulance and he like slams the door of the ambulance, like he's gonna help in whatever little way he can, and mm -hmm. it's just like such an impotent, like helpless thing to do. That just destroyed me. Like that was just so human, and I don't know if it was scripted or if he did it or what, but that was really. He really got me there. Because of how, if that is truly a one shot at the start there, I mean, you're going to have to require your actors to do a lot of kind of improvisation during that moment. I mean, you're probably not going to get every single line exact. And there's a lot of kind of emoting you have to do that has to just feel natural in that moment. Um, and, and I thought they just really not just in that moment, but, but elsewhere pulled it off. And, and I, you know, maybe there wasn't the script to do it that way, but yeah, uh, it, it felt authentic to, to how, you know, a, a parent would, would react in that moment. That also may play a part into it a lot too, with um, maybe even the use of going handheld because, mm -hmm. <clears throat> because we, we got them pretty much, I'm sure they just did a lot of blocking and stuff and, different rehearsals and stuff. But if you just allow, especially the actors of this talent, I feel like you just allow them to just be actors and just go with the flow and they ain't got to worry about the camera and where the camera is. Like the, the cinematographer already knows what he's going to do, know what he's going to get. Then they just can just freely 
just do what they want, do what they need to do within the space, right? Because mm-hmm. normally, you know, when you're getting different takes, you're getting a shot like a close up or a middle mid, middle shot or whatever, and then they do their lines and then you like cut, you know? And, but in this, they're able, I feel like they're able to be authentic because they're just going through, just going through the scene all the way, it seems like. And and maybe that would add to the, um, especially with the birth scene, the um, authenticity of it. Yeah, definitely. And, and even like, I don't know, there was a lot of like um, interactions between the two of them. Like when they were in the baby room and she was taking everything down and he was mm-hmm. like, why are you so cold to me? And then he he goes, he cuts himself and then he comes back and he's he's crying outside the door. It was just like, just, just, just so heartfelt, you know? I am an yeah. emotional movie person, you know? I might not seem emotional outside of movies, but when I watch a movie and ain't nobody around, I might shed a tear or two. Well, y'all saw what happened when we talked about Soul. I was like, I ain't cry at all. <laughs> I was watching this, I was like, oh my God. Speaking of which, um, man, co-MVP to um, Ellen Bernstein, I believe that's how you say her, her name correctly. The, uh, the Oh my God. God, yeah, yeah. So in this case, so uh, Martha, the 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 mother of the baby, mm-hmm. um, her her mother Elizabeth, man, she was just she. I want to say like she stole scenes, you know, because um, I feel like you know people were meeting her, but like I feel like she elevated, you know, the moment every time she was she was in a scene. You know, there was always a certain amount of gravity because she, as the matriarch of the family, uh, you know, in, in not having the, the you know, grandfather there, um, like she is trying to hold it down and make sure that her daughter will be strong and able to take care of stuff. And she doesn't see Sean as, for whatever reason, up to task. And she does manipulate the certain parts of the situation in some ways, but it doesn't come from a place of, uh, as we find out, uh, a place of, of like angst or any sort of like anger. Like it's about her survival and her almost not being able to survive in, in the situation that from when she was first born, when she was helpless. Yeah. Uh, that, that was something else. I mean, like, in, you know, it, she's just, she's such a, integral part of how everything else works because she's manipulating to some degree both Martha and Sean to um, kind of move to to you know the the whims of whatever she wants them to do and she's mostly successful in what she she wants to have happen except for the fact that she doesn't get the sort of carnal justice that she wants for the midwife who she feels like is responsible for the loss of her grandchild yeah yeah it's interesting the strategy she uses of trying to get sean to just move away i'll I'll give you money i wonder how often that happens in real life and whether it ever works i mean i'm sure it works occasionally um and you know I, i i've watched people attempt to do things like that um it's kind of a good strategy because if somebody says yes then they're definitely not the one if, or if they even have a negotiation, mm-hmm. if you're like, I'll give you $50,000 to leave, and they're like, 70000 <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you're not the one, and I'm recording this conversation. Well, no. I mean, he had already relapsed, too. This someone's like, it, it's, it's weird because what it seems like precipitates his relapse is Sean's relapse is Martha going back on her word not to... Um, give the child away for scientific research. Now, that doesn't mean that anything he does after that moment is fine, but it does seem like he spiraled because trust had been lost. Because even that moment, he's like, you're trying to disappear my child. Like, keep that moment you talked about with the, with the, where they broke the frame and he cut his hand and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe she might have also, but there's so much like one thing about this movie is it really does it doesn't bang you over the head with it but this idea that you know communication is key in a relationship 
like mm-hmm. all these unsaid things, these things that they're not, you know, the pain that they're not sharing, which like they both have this pain, but they're not at all discussing it with, with each other. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. Like it, 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 that's what breaks them apart. They're, they're, they're both struggling. And if they did talk it out, it does. They're, they're not like a volatile couple with, with each other until they both have in some way or another realized they're messing around with other people. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think that's where, like, I don't think it was really that important that he's like a blue collar guy who I guess like works in the dock and she's has some kind of, I don't know what her job is, like information technology of some sort. Mm-hmm. It, it shouldn't, it doesn't seem like it matters and it's kind of cool. Yeah, but then you see like the way that he communicates and the way that she communicates are super different because she's probably communicating in one of those like super corporate, super saying something without saying anything kind of ways, velvet mm-hmm. gloves. And he's just like, shut it down, get the fuck out of here. Like, let's go, let's move, like super blunt. Mm-hmm. And you just see how, and it kind of comes through in the sex scene t- between them too, where he's just like, mm-hmm. let's just get this done. Yeah. Where, and that's like, that's what sex scenes should be, like show character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I didn't really think about the, I don't want to say class difference because I don't feel like there necessarily is a class difference, but there is like a job type difference mm-hmm. um, that I think does come into play. Well, I mean, yeah, but but it also... Uh, it is important in providing connotations around the the sorts of ways that they communicate. Um, and in this case, it feels like it's just weird because at no point do I really feel like they just don't care about each other. But once their trust is gone, yeah because they won't talk to each other. It just kind of ruins everything else. Like the sex thing is interesting because she's not even like, hey, I don't want to do this, but could you just give, like, go at my pace? Like, I'll do it and I'm not refusing. Like, this isn't something I don't want, but you have to let me do this myself. Like, let me take off my pants. Yeah. Get to it. But like, I I don't want to feel like that I don't have some form of control here. Them extra tight ass pants. You know what? I didn't. I didn't <laughs> you know women be wearing them pants. It'd be so damn hard. Yeah, let her take it off then. If that's the case. But you know what? I didn't get that from the sex scene. I think what I got from it was that she. I don't even think she, of course, was into it at all. And I think from Sean's point of view, it was like just like what you're saying about this miscommunication and things that's not being said. I think that he is also the type of man that maybe. That's his main way of how he relates to a woman is through um, physical, is through sex. So I may disagree not- a little bit with that only because now I, I kind of gotten lost in the timeline a little bit. I think by that point, it had been three months since the baby had passed away. Mm-hmm. And what he kept saying was, I miss you. I miss you. Da, 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 da. That's what I'm and- saying. But what I'm saying is that he he may not have no other better way to communicate with her outside of the outside of sex well but think about it so early on when she when her wall i don't know if her wall had broken not already i think it had but you know he's telling dad jokes to her and he always is asking her like what do you need you know you know what does your mother think of me like he's not like he's not he ends up being somebody who you can almost uh if you were well, let me, just let me, was, better, let me better rephrase it, he okay. may not know how to communicate well on a deeper level. Like, yeah, he could probably be fun. He could tell dad jokes. He can, you know, be be sympathetic or empathetic when he need to be. But as far as like how they have a conversation and what they're dealing with, he may not have the words for that. But so he let, let, felt like through through sex because that could be his way of getting back closer to her, being intimate with her and be able to communicate that they so, can be able to communicate physically on that so level. Let me, let me share this perspective as, as somebody who has a child and has <laughs> gone through that. Uh, we're not having lost a child, but just like the process of like, there are all these things you don't think about, like the, you know, ticking off when you have a child. It's like one of the things, and it's so subtle that again, like if you haven't had a kid, 
this could stick out to you, but you ain't gonna feel it the same way. When at the very beginning of the movie, she's having a baby shower at work. Yeah. When she goes back to the office, there's no baby. Yeah. And everybody's looking at her. And th- that's a hard thing to kind of explain. But like if you even if you had like a situation where um your partner was pregnant and you lost the baby or something, like that that is a huge, huge, huge deal. Um to people. I, I can remember asking a coworker whose wife was pregnant, like, oh, how's she how's she doing? And he's just like ashen and he's like, Oh, she lost the baby. And it's just like nobody knows how to talk about it, no one knows the right thing to say. It's so sad, and you just want to have so much empathy for people, and you just want to like hug everybody. But then we have these like weird office things of like what you can and can't do, and it's it's it just it's such a human moment, and you're just we're kind of taught to not be human. Like, what, 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 not, like the good thing to do is to just not say anything and not bring it up or something, and it's pretty awful. But look, so th- that's a great point you brought up, because the reason I, I brought up that particular moment and, you know, was alluding to what you just outlined, you know, in, in greater detail was that basically imagine a situation, but like it's you're you're the, the father yeah. of the child and you're trying to figure out how to have because the thing like they never say it. Right. But part of everything that's going on is do you want to try again? Yeah, it, it, they never say it out loud. But when she starts packing up that room and he, and she's like, well, we don't need this room. Like without having the discussion, she she's basically already stated we're not going to have kids or well, I've given up on that idea for right now. But th- there's a lot happening that's just not outright said and that's one of the complicated things about this movie to me that i i think is just like really interesting that i don't think it's just simply that he doesn't know how to communicate neither one of them know how to talk about this and that's just it's really hard to do i think almost no one does i mean on earth yeah everyone's really bad about talking about this because there's so much i mean the director was saying that that there's so much like taboo around the subject because it goes against the idea of the circle of life. Um, it's just not supposed to happen. It doesn't feel right when it happens. And it's so sad that we look at it that way. Well, and if, you know, how do you, that whole scene with, with Martha and Elizabeth, this idea of why are we even going to court? And she's like, you're not facing it. And she's like, I am facing it. This is your way. This is not my way. Part of all that is, this idea of her body and her body being able to take the the rigors of pregnancy and and actually um, help bring a life um, here that is viable and, and can live. Th- that's a question and, and something because then it's like okay, like is it because all right? So now putting it in a more blunt way, right? If you're having a conversation with your partner, you're like, okay, is it you or is it me? And maybe that's not even a fair way to have the conversation. Like, is is it, you know, my genetics is not holding up right? Or is it your genetics? Do we need to do something different? Does it need to be a different embryo? Do we need to have somebody else carrying the child? There's all this stuff you can start getting into to maybe come up with other solutions or like, are you blaming one person or the other? Like, and they're not playing a blame game, but they're also not having the conversation about the hurt they're feeling and if they're going to do this again, because he clearly wants children. And I don't think she doesn't want kids, but she's still hurt from it and has not had a chance to cope with it in any way yet. Well, Sean really wants like an explanation for what went wrong. Like, yes. Like, and I think he's almost, he knows he's, you can kind of invent backstories for them. Like, I think the movie gives you enough to invent whatever backstory you want for them. Mm-hmm. And what I come up with for him is, you know, he's got a lot of guilt. He's got this like alcohol and drugs past and is trying to sort of make up for it. And one of the ways he's trying to make up for it is by being like a straight arrow dad. Mm-hmm. And, path. and I think for her, and I'm just extrapolating all of this and it's all my imagination, but she's kind of in a life where she's surrounded by these kind of yuppie drones and then she meets this guy who like has some fire and passion and is just like very direct, probably in a way she's not used to when she finds that appealing. Um, and then their whole relationship just breaks down over this because it turns out that this really difficult thing arises and they neither one of them 
both of them kind of like each other because they're an escape from the bullshit in their lives. And then suddenly they have this gigantic problem together that they're not ready for. That, yeah. by the way, no one is ready for. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, because I think what Keith's reading of it makes sense to me, too. But on the other side of that, though, neither one of them really know how to talk about this or deal with it. And there's a lot of unsaid, like, it's just not very direct how they're talking about it. But it's a lot of like, you're not going to do this again. Kind of, or You're not even going to try. You're trying to like get rid of this room that symbolizes the opportunity to have a kid. Yeah. But when you're not having a conversation with me about it and you're going to give up our child's body and you promised me you wouldn't do that shit and you and did it anyway. And he sees that as getting rid of him too. Yeah, and, he's, and it's a complete betrayal in, in his mind. Because he's super brittle. I mean, the other thing is like, he's not putting himself in the background in the way that he should. Like he should, he's obviously grieving and he's obviously suffering, but she's suffering more. Mm-hmm. And he's that's the brittleness of him like that he but hates. but also martha of uh, martha excuse me elizabeth is kind of putting him in that position too like there's this pressure to bow to the matriarch in some way and do the things she's asking in, in some ways because even though he wants to keep like okay like i can pay for stuff too that because he says this a few times yeah but she is kind of like their finan- financial backbone if they needed something right and she she also is the one who whether it's money related or not she is at the end of the day going to be able to sway the family to do certain things in ways that he can't necessarily control because she's the mother in the family so he has the bow and in and you know uh, acquiesce to some degree for certain things but once this moment happens it becomes a little more complicated because he also is seeking some form of retribution or justice or something. Cause like you said, he doesn't have an explanation and there's no one to blame. And it's like, he does not want to, it's like, so think about it. You blaming the midwife because yeah. you, you, it's like, you feel like blame needs to go somewhere and you're not going to blame yourself. Right. You know, and you're not going to blame the child. Right. So blame needs to go somewhere. And, and so that's that fury that that need for like explanation and for like somebody to pay for this loss of life is, is kind of what leads to everything else. Yeah, it's just it's the easiest place to go to, to blame somebody. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of that's one of the first things you do when you go through, you know, grief. And it's not I think it's also blaming somebody, but also trying to figure out like why did it happen, you know. Sometimes yeah, there's always that desire for why. To, yeah, sometimes we can't accept that certain things happen. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, like you lose a close one and they like young and they just, and they, you know, get diagnosed with cancer. Or they just, just die and they sleep or something. And people want to figure out like what happened. And sometimes people just make up stories that have nothing to do with it. And I think us as human beings, sometimes we cannot accept sometimes horrible things happen that's outside of our control and they clearly couldn't because when they were talking to their doctor and well really it was more sean he's like it was more sean. he's like you're a doctor you're a doctor you yeah. know and i i love that scene too because if you notice how the shot is it's it's focused on her mm-hmm. but she's not talking uh-huh talking the whole time and, he's and the doctor the is is present in the room but you don't see him until sean walks out yeah and that's when we focus more on Sean, but but it's showing how like every, to me how everyone is taking over the situation that she literally lived and felt. Yeah, like they they're in some way like they're feeling not ownership and like a, a certain grievance over it. Like there, there's something like it's like their amount of like energy towards the situation. Like they're not keeping her in mind. Like she's really the one who. It's Tim put it like she's the one, you know, hurting through it the most. Mm-hmm. And in some way, like her grief doesn't come first for, for others. Yeah. You know? I think what Keith said about where the camera is, it's one of those great things the movie does to center around her, even when these like subplots come into it. Mm-hmm. 
like first the title does that and then also just where the camera focuses it does a really good job of keeping it on her even when she's kind of opaque like even when you're not really sure what she's thinking and you're not sure why she's so interested in apples um just the way it keeps the trend on her as the central character i think it's super effective mm -hmm. i appreciate that the movie didn't feel the need to I mean, I don't even know if she knew for a fact it was her cousin, but I, I appreciate that they didn't feel like they had to spend a whole lot of time going over the fact that she knew he was sleeping with somebody else. Loved it. Love that. Like what they got into and didn't get into. Mm -hmm. They really didn't dwell on anything they didn't have to. I thought that was really well done. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was... Like... Uh, I, I was kind of looking for it. I feel like the cousin might have been wearing those same earrings when they were at that dinner party or 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 whatever. It wasn't a dinner party probably because it wasn't night. But you know what I'm talking about when they all met together. I just, um, just watched Succession. Uh, I'm, I'm aware of the show. I haven't watched it, though. All right. Sarah Snook, the lawyer, the cousin is on Succession and she's like the master of amoral characters. <laughs> she's mm -hmm. so good. Like, and she's just, you stay, you stay invested in whatever she's doing. You're super interested in whatever she's doing, but she's just really good at playing these people who are just like, yeah, that doesn't apply to me. I can just do what I'm going to do. My favorite, well, not my favorite, pro my favorite, well, everything like in that, that like set of scenes is a part of my favorite parts of the movie, but I just, the subtlety of what's happening with the acting when it's um, Suzanne, uh, so, so Sarah Snook's character. Yeah. Sitting there with Sean, I just <laughs> that's my oh man, that interaction is so cold because like it's again they they're not overt about what they're talking about. And he's like, yeah, you know, getting ready to go up to Seattle. It's pretty nice. You're like, I'm sure it is. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had met you earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it'd be cool if you know. You know I just went up there and you know just chilling. She's like, I'm yeah yeah. I heard you the first time. It's not <laughs> happening, Jack. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, but in her facial expressions are so good. And I was like, oh god, this is the the most uncomfortable, funny scene I've seen in a while. Um, I I don't know, man. Like that, the movie is just really interesting. I mean, the only thing about it that doesn't really ring true to me is the the very end where Martha speaks to the court and then they drop all the charges or whatever happened there. Yeah. Um, they never say they drop all the charges to, for the midwife, but, um, you know, getting to do like your, what your Superman four talk to Congress. Um, let's get rid of all the nukes moment. You're assuming I have more knowledge of Superman four than I have. Oh, well, <laughs> whatever. Which I think it's for when he like goes to Congress and he's like, we almost denuclearize. And like, yeah. Um, I can't remember that. That's where Superman goes to like the United Nations or something. Oh, United Nations. I'm sorry, I said Congress. Okay, yes. There was something that they wanted to do like a really big scene and the directors or the producers wouldn't pay for it. So Christopher Reeve was pissed that he's like, we should have had like these kind of cars. We should have Listen had to the industry podcast on Movie Maker for more. That's what it is. That's what it yeah. is. So, yeah. So yeah, I do remember. I had seen it, but I had forgotten a lot of stuff until I listened to the industry again. But yeah, shout out to, to, to Dan on that. That's a great mention. Superman 4. I love it. Yeah. Um, but that's what it reminded me. I was like, this wouldn't happen that way. I mean, like, I think if, if Martha had chosen to address the situation in one way or another, what was in the court or some other way, they, they would have, you know, been like, all right, you know what? You know, she didn't want to keep going, whatever. But it probably wouldn't happen that way. The thing in every movie, and I honestly don't remember the ending of this one that well in terms of like how the cross cross examination went, because I didn't really care. I cared more about the emotion. But in every movie, like the lawyers are always shocked by what the person is saying on the stand. And in real life, I mean, one of the big rules of being a lawyer is you don't put them on the stand if you don't know what they're going to say. Yeah. Okay. So that, that okay, th that's actually a really great point because I was noticing how Suzanne's asking these questions, but clearly they haven't practiced these answers. <laughs> and I was like, that's a little weird. <laughs> yeah. There'd be a deposition before. And then if you say something differently, then you go, well, wait, on your deposition on July 5th, didn't you say this? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, but movie. I mean, it didn't ruin the experience. For no, me, not at all. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. No, but, but that did kind of stick out a little bit. I was like, oh, that's a little strange. Her lawyer doesn't know what she's going to say. 
movies. No, but... I guess I think they mentioned it. I think they do have a line about how they can't get her to come in and talk or something. I, th- I think so. Um, now, can you guys clarify something for me just about the end? So um, was that like adoption or something? It happened here, or did she have another kid? Uh, they don't make it clear enough. I, I mean, I don't. That it doesn't bother me the way you know. I felt like mm. you know, at the very least, this isn't like some kind of like um, internal sunshine and spotless mind moment. I feel like that's happening in reality. Yeah, yeah. Um, in one way or another, and, and I was happy for. There's so much symbolism going on with the apple that. I kind of wasn't certain if this was like uh, the most generic um, version of the symbolism where it's like, you know, woman bites apple, woman now sees, you know, more of the truth and, and that takes her on some different path and, and, you know, and she's no longer as innocent or some shit like that. Um, but there's a lot of symbolism with, with, you know, the apple and the seeds of the apple and all that, and especially like even at the end with the little girl uh, who she, she named, uh, 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 Lucinia or something like that. Um, but the little girl though, she's in an apple tree, maybe even like an apple orchard, like around that whole area. Yeah, um, like apples everywhere. Yeah, and so um, that went for me in a way. Like that other, that other baby had some connection to apples, and this one does too. Like there's something that just went to like the idea of the lost soul, like being reborn, maybe in a way. Mm-hmm. Maybe so. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm used to like ideas of like you know not ever seeing like reincarnation the way we normally think of, but like shared wills and and you know things like that. Um, but I mean, I I thought it, it was an, an apt ending. It made sense. Um, I I do like that Sean doesn't show up again after going to Seattle, and it seems like there was an understood agreement. Like, I don't know if he said this to her because at least maybe I, I just missed it or something somehow. I don't think Sean and Martha ever talk and when she's driving to the airport, like, hey, I'm going to Seattle and I'm never coming back. Right. But, you know, when Elizabeth, when she hands him that check and she's like, make sure she knows you're not coming back <laughs> if you take this. I was like, I mean, I don't know. Given everything that just happened, I, I could see him just being like, all right, you know what? It, it ain't, ain't no beef. Yeah, I don't love you, but it just it happened the way it happened, and you know, it's best for everybody. I don't know why this is so funny. I can't, but when we was watching, like, like you ever watch a movie with somebody, and it's almost like y'all watching two different movies. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching it with Randall, and sometimes she say stuff, and I'm like, I don't know how you come to that conclusion, but like you know the part where she was on um, pouring the ashes over the bridge, right? Okay. And she was like, <laughs> she just all of a sudden just got, she was like, oh, he died. I said, <laughs> what? That's the baby. <laughs> I said, who died? The the husband, Sean. I said, baby, how did you come to that conclusion? Like what in this film <laughs> from what you saw previously <laughs> made you come to the conclusion that the husband died. Then she had me thinking for a second, like, well, damn, did I miss something? Did I did I miss out on something? And she seen something that I didn't see. Well, there was a little baby vase. I don't think like you know you can put, put adult ashes in one that size, but damn. you know. I don't know why that was so funny to me. It just had me so tickled because she she could have sworn that was his ashes. That's and funny. nothing in the story told you that that could have been him. I told yeah, her the only, only one person died. That's why I told her the only people we know for sure died in this movie was that baby. Mm-hmm. Maybe the, maybe Elizabeth died off screen, but I think they would have showed something. Yeah, they would have shown that. I mean, we um, showed we they showed that she is having a little bit of dementia, Alzheimer's. Yeah, so like in it again, uh-huh. subtle stuff. Um, so by the end, they're a little more exact and showing like you know she forgetting she ordering stuff and the kind of stuff she likes but when the sister uh, i think the sister's yeah anita um she is really upset to the side with her i don't know if it's a boyfriend or husband but but the guy chris so oh and and chris whack ass he's so slow um (laughs) forgetting even get bring her that umbrella that was was like this this punk but uh (laughs) but so He's so meek, but anyway, uh, and, and again, well done by the actor. And every time he's showing his meekness, but uh, I hate Chris. Anyway, um, 
But <laughs> so that moment, it, it, again, subtle thing. They don't spend a lot of time explaining shit to you all the time. But when she left her keys in the bowl and Chris is like, oh, yeah, the keys are right here. And, and Olivia's like, I put the keys in the bowl. And Anita's like, God damn, she put the keys in the bowl. Like, cause she she knows she wouldn't put the keys in the bowl. But like, I've definitely, so my grandmother, when we first realized she had Alzheimer's, it was a lot of weird shit she was doing. And, you know, I was, I think I was like 19 or 20 or something. And I, there was a moment where like the phone rang and she picked up a, a TV remote. Mm-hmm. And it was like, hello? Hello? And we were like, hmm, that's strange. Hmm. And then like a week later, she almost burned down the whole house because she put aluminum foil in the microwave and then just had it going. And we were like, hmm, that's super strange. That, hmm, huh, okay, well, is she okay? You know, it would be like little stuff would keep coming up over and over, but it was like getting a little more dangerous, a little more dangerous, like as it went along. First, it was just like stupid stuff like the TV remote and the phone. Then it was like, can we let her cook anymore? Like, is that a thing that, that can be done? Yeah. You know, so I, I do that sort of subtlety, though. It's it's like little hints you get when when it's coming up and then it becomes a little more cute where they're forgetting people. They're forgetting things they like or just they just stop liking stuff and their their political beliefs change. Just a lot of little because the things <laughs> that they used say. to. Huh? Oh, you don't say. Yeah, this, I got to say some of the old people I know uh, during this uh, administration, uh, they've reverted a little bit. From what they used to believe, like a couple years ago, um, so yeah, it's been interesting. See, I'm afraid to say anything about this because my wife's told me that I can't pronounce the word Alzheimer's correctly, and like I put an extra letter in it or something. Alzheimer's. I'm just afraid to say it because I used to say it like old timers. Hey, me too. She no made fun of that, so now I just don't. Now I just say dementia, and I'm just scared, and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally understand. That was me for a long time until I had to say it a bunch. So, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, it. I don't know. That's a scary thing. Just, just even the thought of. I mean, we all gonna get. Oh, we gonna have a little bit of dementia some type of way. I guess. I think it's scary though when they start talking about people that been dead for like ten years or something. Mm-hmm. They yeah. talk about they just seen them the other day. Yeah, so that, that's the thing. Like, it got to the point where she was like, she would look at uh at people, and she would start calling them somebody's name from when she was like twenty years old. Right. I you I know. not like that part, and I don't like the confusing relatives with other relatives. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the worst. Well, and then it's stuff like they start losing their eyesight and stuff, and they'll start calling. Uh something the wrong thing or they'll think a chair is a toilet it's like a lot of real it's stuff like you just wouldn't even think about or consider and then when it starts happening like oh shit like this is uh you know pretty crucial and and you know i do think we have um people in the upcoming administration who do have a um a focus at putting more resources towards that sort of thing because of the baby boomers uh, they're gonna need some care. Millennials will, and Gen X, everybody, right? Like, and, and the population is getting larger and larger. So, it's something we going to look at. And and that's another thing. So, this movie also too, um, in that sort of Shakespearean way, does show like the care you have to have for a baby, being very similar to what you have to have for an elder once yeah. they get to that point. Um, I swear, you know, I thought you were gonna take a shot at Biden just then. We're like, there's people in the incoming administration who obviously. <laughs> I was like, what? Come on. <laughs> no, he's still cognizant. This is that other guy who isn't. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> but, no, man. It's, it's, I don't know. This movie, it does a lot of really impressive stuff. Like, I, I was very um, shocked. I would not have been holding my son, who's not even two months old, had I realized this was going on. Um, but it does kind of, um, you know, there's all these statistics and I don't have them in front of me about the um, kind of miracle of childbirth and kind of the lack of recognition we have that, you know, um, births don't go perfectly very often. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and they tend to have complications and sometimes those complications can be bad for the baby, but sometimes they're, they're bad for the mother too. And um, you know, 
again, this is another example of the movie not beating you over the head with stuff, but you know, you after watching the film like this can have kind of a, a greater appreciation for, you know, the family you do have. Um, and I'm holding my child who's healthy, my life's yeah. healthy, you know, and you know, getting getting back to to um, you know where she wants to be health wise and, and that is excellent. But, you know, unfortunately that's just not the case in in, you know, um in, in a more frequent way than I think most people realize. So um it, it can help you reflect on a lot of stuff too and and you know kind of have an appreciation for your healthy children. It, it, yes. Amen. I've thought that I've thought about this movie so many times, like checking the baby before he falls asleep and things like that. And also just thank you to your mom for the job she does. Cause we had a very, very hard time when ours was born seven months ago. Mm. And I'm not, everybody has a hard time, but like people were coming up to us going like, yeah, that was a tough one. And oh, he's in the hospital. Yeah. And one, mm. thing, one thing the nurses said is, and I don't mean to criticize midwives or that practice or home births or anything like that. It's up to you. It's up to your doctor. But one thing they said is, you know, things go wrong and this is why we have babies in hospitals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you, you just have, you know, it, some hospitals are equipped differently than others, but yeah, I mean, if something does go wrong, like if, if the heartbeat, for example, cause like this happened a lot too, even with the last birth. So the at different moments, the heartbeat was, was, better than others and so they would have to shift around and, and the midwife in the movie does do the right thing yeah. um that's that's the first thing you do before you start administering drugs and all this other stuff um and sometimes on its own that helps and and thankfully for us that that was you know helpful to kind of get the baby in the right position and, and breathing better and all that but um yeah yeah i mean if you know you just kind of don't think about it kind of take for granted what's going on with birth but i mean you know prior to our current Set of technology, shit. I, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it, I mean, it's we have a much higher, um, what's gonna be a much lower mortality rate now um, for for births than than used to be true. Like I know on um, both of my um, my family side, there are children who were born but didn't make it. Mm. You know, multiple kids. Um, and so, you know, I have aunts and uncles I never met because um, they, they they didn't make it through that that entire process. Um, and, you know, I, I can't imagine it was like even, you know, centuries before, you know. Um, yeah. It's, it's just it's a trip. You can't, we can't take anything for granted. Not at all. So, uh, I don't know, Keith, man, you got, got any more thoughts on the film? You've been kind of silent, kind of, uh, are, you, are you just kind of in, in your thoughts? Oh, no, no. I was just thinking, I was just listening to you guys, man. It was a beautiful film. I mean, it's a certain stuff, of course, I can't relate to because I, you know, I don't have any kids. I can only imagine what that's like going through that, you know, process. Um, doesn't make me want to run to go have any children neither after watching this, but <laughs> I don't know. I was just thinking about, um, I think Erica Badu is a midwife, right? She a doula or something like that. Have you heard about that? Uh... Erica Badu is all things to everyone. I was I was literally just thinking about that as you were talking. I was like, damn, I bet it'd be cool if she was like a midwife, but then I was like, her ass might be late. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many people listening will get that. A, well, it, look, at least at least Lauren Hill ain't a doula. Man, you talking about CP time. I'm now I had to deliver the damn baby myself. Shit. Hey, baby, open up. I'm a I'm a spiritualize myself. Just go yeah, for it. Sit you up in this tub and get some sternups and, and just here, go for it. And here goes some Jack Daniels. Oh, I was muted. I didn't hear any of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely um not not that that's like podcast content, not TV content, right there. Did uh, she had a kid with Andre three thousand, right? Yeah, name yeah. eight. So, oh, oh wait, 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 wait seven, seven, seven. Sorry, I said eight. Is it a seven and an eight? Shit. No, no, by the name of seven and I'm in and uh in and if he's six by the time I do this mix, it probably no. And he's damn. What he said? You do the arithmetic. By the time I do this mix, it probably be six. Damn, I, I screwed up the lyrics on that. It's it's on the last. 
song of uh, The Love Below. He does this whole rigmarole and, and rapping in the cold way and brings up the whole thing. So, yeah. so like the greatest musician who's ever lived is going to come of age really soon. Well, I mean, I think the greatest musician of all time is going to choose like his father to not get caught in 360 deals and just maybe just put, you know, some stuff out every now and then. And then maybe just like do it in the basement. And then, you know, um, when our children have children, they'll have this discography of the best music of all time that was never released for, you know, for studios to take advantage of and put in lifetime contracts like Kanye. Google Seven Benjamin. <laughs> yeah, I actually don't know Andre's. Is his last name actually Benjamin? Isn't it? I have no clue. I, I mean, Andre Benjamin. I think so. I mean, but so I don't know what monikers are anymore. I, I, I don't know. You know, you know. I didn't know uh, Jay Z's name was Sean Carter for a long time. Wait, like, why is he naming all these albums after Sean Carter? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I got to make that his pen name. All right, we're way off the topic now, but in, in some ways. Um, so, look, if you got this far, you clearly enjoyed the podcast. We would love, love, love for you to at least recommend this pod to at least one of your friends. Share, rate, review, all that goodness um, across platforms. Uh, Keith, where can the people follow us on social media? We on the basics. We on the, on face. I was going to say the Facebook like an old ass <laughs> Um, we might have to rebrand after the capital stuff. Yeah, we're on Facebook and <laughs> we're also on Instagram at the Low Key Pod. Yes, sir. And um, yeah, this was an unexpected one. Didn't know we were doing something so emotional, but I'm excited. This is a great film. I'm, I'm glad you guys recommended it. So, um, and I'm, now I got to go back and listen to the the movie maker interview you did with the director. So, really looking forward to that too. Pusha. All right. Well, uh, we'll see y'all next week, next Thursday. And uh, until then, um, be easy and uh, keep your mask on. All right, peace. See you. Thanks.